we are all natural-born storytellers, whether you think of yourself that way or not. The stories that mold and shape our lives oftentimes become foundational parts of our growth, healing, and even generational experiences. Welcome to Awaken Your Soul Sunday, a storytelling series that share the moments of awakening, trials and tribulations, truth, and vulnerability in the words and voice of the featured storyteller. And now, a life-changing story from this week's guest. My name is Jamie Beth Cohen. I'm a novelist, essayist, storyteller, and podcaster. In 1992, when I was 16 years old, I got my first job. I loved so many things about the record store, but mostly I loved the people I worked with. For some reason, they treated me like I was one of them, like I was an adult. My manager was a pretty blonde 20-something who talked to me as if the 10 years she had on me were negligible. Going to work was like being paid minimum wage to listen to new music and hang out with the cool girl at the back of the bus who shared her secrets about life and boys and sex. The record store became the place I felt most at home, a port in the storm of my otherwise mundane and annoying high school experience. I thought my boss would school me on her cool girl ways and tell me things I didn't yet know about dating. It turns out she had so much more to teach me. One afternoon, my mom brought a family friend, a major league baseball player, to the store. He was in town to play his old team. I don't think he was recognizable to most people, but he carried himself like the superstar he thought he should be. Upon his arrival, customers and co-workers alike took a collective deep breath. It had been several years since he had played for our hometown team when I was in middle school. Back then, I had an innocent crush on him. When he walked into the record store that day, I realized I still did. He was tall with dark, slicked hair and sparkly eyes. When he smiled, he looked like someone who was about to get away with something. My mom chatted with my manager at the front counter while the baseball player and I were at the back of the store. I was alphabetizing cassettes in the sub-genre of folk pop. I was so excited to see him, but the dynamic of a middle schooler eager to talk to a professional athlete didn't make sense three years later. I guess he was hitting on me, but the words coming out of his mouth in purposefully hushed tones painted vivid pictures of things I did not want to see. I thought we'd chat about his wife, who had been so kind to me when they lived in town, but he wanted to talk about things that knocked the wind out of me and made me gasp for breath. I could see my mom and manager at the front of the store. I focused my eyes on them. My manager was talking with her hands. My mom was beaming. They could see us from where they stood, but they couldn't hear his whispers. Everyone just kept smiling, including me. I didn't know what else to do. After they left, my manager put her arm around me. You have a crush on him, don't you? 
she asked. I shook my head and burst into tears. I had seen my manager use her looks and her sexuality to manipulate the regional manager. She would surreptitiously wink at me when she was playing the dumb blonde for him. She seemed to enjoy that her intellect and business acumen were underestimated because of her stunning appearance. She knew exactly how to use that to her advantage. I couldn't tell her what happened because I didn't have the language. Also, she couldn't possibly understand what it felt like to be violated by someone's words. Men and the stupid things they said to her were nothing more than fuel for her. But I told her anyway because I didn't have anyone else to tell. I still feel bad for underestimating her, just like all the men in her life did. She listened to me croak out words I hoped made sense, and then she let loose with a tirade unlike any I had ever heard. I learned about male pigs and scumbags and feminism and the women's movement. Prior to this outburst, she had reserved her most passionate speeches for things like the Bengals versus the Go-Go's and how she wasn't being paid nearly enough because once again she beat the daily sales goals for 10 days straight. An hour later, when the baseball player called the store looking for me, she offered to take the call, but buoyed by her anger and an unconventional pep talk, I took it myself. On a good day, the back office felt like a cinder block janitor's closet. On that day, it felt like a jail cell. The baseball player's disembodied voice picked up right where he had left off. My eyes watered as he talked about his fantasies and asked me about mine. I didn't rage. I demurred. I pretended not to understand. I didn't understand. It seemed like only moments before my fantasies involved my very own Barbie dream house. The things he was talking about didn't even sound appealing. After the call, my super cool manager considered sending me home, but instead she kept me close to her for the rest of my shift. She taught me in one afternoon what a decade at an all-girls school had yet to convey. I was a gendered person. Twenty-five years later, my manager's exact words are lost to me, but her message is not. She urged me to define my sexuality for myself before someone else did. At 16, I wasn't ready to be seen as a conquest for adult men, but girls don't get to decide when that switch is flipped. And she taught me to look over my shoulder. It didn't matter how safe I felt at the record store, my own personal secret enclave with the cool girl at the back of the bus. It only took one jerk to puncture that protective bubble. No one talked about rape culture in the 1990s, but we were living in it. The best we could do was pass each other the secrets to survival. And now I do that in my work, but I say the quiet part loud. I write novels for teens and their adults that tell the truth my truth, and what very well may be their truths, too. Through my books and essays, I hope to educate parents and kids about ways to stay safe and enjoy intimacy without blaming or shaming. 
It's true that moment in the record store could have defined me, and in some ways it did. But what I choose to focus on now, as an adult, as a parent, is not the harm that was done, though it was very real, but how my super cool manager rose to the occasion. When I saw her then, I saw her as someone who had it all together, an adult who knew how to handle me, a kid, during my most vulnerable moment. But looking back, she couldn't have been more than 26 years old, in some ways a kid herself. And even as a 45-year-old, I'm handed problems on almost a daily basis that I don't feel qualified to handle. That day in the record store threw us both a curve, and it would have been easy enough for her to say, not my problem. But she didn't. She leaned into the discomfort with me, and that's what I take away from this story. The power of showing up, even when it's hard, even when it's scary, even when you're not sure you know the right thing to say. That day has had a lasting effect on me. But those effects would have been far worse if I had to contend with the baseball player on my own. For more information on this week's guest, visit the episode notes section on mindbizlife.com. And if you'd like to share your story with us, click on the Awaken Your Soul tab on mindbizlife.com and fill out the submission form. Don't forget to share this episode with a friend and be sure to give the podcast a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you tune in and turn it up. Join me on Wednesday for more life mastery conversations, but until then, remember, every level of life is an opportunity to grow. Be well, my friend.